The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. And I'm going to have a bit of an unusual show today. Uh, I, along with my co-author, John Downs, have for many, many years written a book called The Dictionary of Finance and Investment Terms. Uh, We first came out with this book in 1984. That was the first edition. And just uh, in the last week or so, we've come out with a new edition of the Dictionary of Finance and Investment Terms, which is actually the ninth edition of it. Uh, It's got over 5,000 terms in it. And I thought it might be interesting for you, the audience, to kind of hear some of the developments that have happened in the financial world and go over some of the new terms we've added, just so you have a, a sense of the uh, kind of incredible amount of new language that's been created in the last uh, few years in the whole financial world. A lot of people do not know about this language, and this is going to give you a good uh, kind of basis on all the different areas of finances uh, that have been out there, and particularly recently. Now, since the last edition, the eighth edition, came out basically right after the financial crisis in 2008, um, so some of the new terms and concepts that have come out in the last five years include the Dodd-Frank Financial Regulation Bill, which is itself an over 2,000-page bill covering all aspects of banking and securities and so on, lots of implications and new terms created from that. The European debt crisis, which uh, had its own history to it. Uh, the Affordable Care Act, the Obamacare, which created a whole bunch of new regulations and, and terms. Uh, the HARP program, which is the Home Affordable Refinance Program, and the HAMP program, the Home Affordable Modification Program, which came out of the housing crisis. Uh, the Simpson-Bowles Commission, which was a way to kind of see if the deficit could be brought under control. Uh, Federal Reserve policies such as quantitative easing, uh, which had never existed before as a kind of a reaction to the financial crisis of 2008-2009. Uh, there have been new governmental entities created, such as the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, the CFPB, uh, designed to consolidate in one federal agency all the different uh, parts around the government in protecting consumers and financial transactions. Uh, there have been consolidations and modernizations in securities exchanges all over the world. Uh, several new tax laws. We had what was called the fiscal cliff. where We weren't sure we were going to go over it or not. We, we didn't in the end, but it was kind of very uh, dramatic. Uh, there were ceiling, debt ceiling debates over whether the debt ceiling should be raised. That caused, caused a lot of trouble. Uh, we've had something called the Jobs Act, which is designed to help small businesses uh, raise capital. So these are just a few of the ideas that have, and events that have happened in the last five years or so that created a lot of new terms in the Dictionary of Finance and Investment Terms. If you want to find out more about this book, you can actually go to my website, which is moneyanswers.com. Look under the store, and you'll see uh, the Dictionary of Finance and Investment Terms. So I'm just going to kind of go through some of the the terms you may or may not be familiar with and just kind of give you a sense of what some of these things mean, some of these new terms, and kind of give you some uh, kind of context for uh, all these new terms that have come out. The first one I'm going to talk about 
is abusive tax shelter. Now, this is where a tax shelter was created, uh, particularly a limited partnership, uh, that the IRS deems to be uh, only, uh, the only purpose of it is to avoid taxes and therefore to create illegal tax deductions, typically by inflating the value of an acquired property beyond its real market value. Uh, once the IRS uh, considers this as an abusive tax shelter, uh, investors have to pay severe penalties and interest charges on top of back taxes. So you really don't want to get caught in the middle of an abusive tax shelter because it's going to be quite expensive. There aren't as many of them today as they were back in the 80s and 90s, uh, but uh, there's still a lot of ways that people try to get around from paying taxes, and if you get caught, it can be very, very expensive. Uh, another term is the acceleration clause, and this is a clause where, uh, in an c- agreement, if, if you do not ma- make a certain uh, pa- payment, uh, pay a certain balance, then the lender can accelerate uh, the uh, entire amount of loan so it has to become due and payable uh, right at once, which typically will cause a default. Um, so, for example, if you don't pay interest or principal, um, if you go insolvent, if you don't pay taxes on a mortgage property, uh, then uh, your entire mortgage becomes due at once, which is, becomes a real crisis for people because it's very difficult for them to meet a payment like that. So that's what's called the acceleration clause. Uh, another term which has become popular these days is what's called the accidental high yielder. So what that is, that's a stock paying a higher dividend yield than usual for the particular company. Now, when a stock drops sharply in price and its dividend remains the same, it raises the dividend payment to an abnormally high level. Um, so that happens when the stock market drops sharply. There are a lot of accidental high yielders. High yielders meaning yielding, say, 3% or higher. Um, and that can often be a good time to buy a stock because the yield is abnormally high from what it would normally be. You're buying the stock at a cheaper price, getting a higher yield at the same time. So that's an accidental higher yield, high, high yielder. Uh, another very important concept to what's going on in the economy and the world today is accommodative monetary policy. Now, this is when the Federal Reserve increases the amount of money available for lending by the banks. And when they implement such an accommodative policy, they're easing the money supply. Uh, this makes interest rates fall and makes it more attractive for borrowers to borrow, to borrow and therefore stimulates the economy. Um, and when interest rates are high and they want to stimulate the economy, they will do an accommodative uh, monetary policy. Um, the opposite of that would be a tightening policy where they are worried about inflation and they start raising interest rates. But the last five years or so, we've really had a very, very accommodative policy. The Federal Reserve has kept interest rates at zero uh, basically since 2008, uh, to try to stimulate the economy. In fact, it has worked. Interest rates have come down. The stock market has gone up a lot. The housing market's recovered. Uh, GDP has been growing again. So that was a reaction to what happened in 2008. Is probably the most accommodative monetary policy we've ever had, specifically uh, called quantitative easing, where when rates were already brought down to zero, there was no more the Fed could do on a front like that. So they started to do this quantitative easing program, the so-called QE program, where uh, they were buying treasury securities, uh, both uh, direct treasuries and mortgage-backed securities, at an enormous rate, something like $85 billion a month, to bring more liquidity into the markets, into the, into the economy. And that, in fact, did help to bring down uh, interest rates and stimulate the economy in a major way. So we've had a major, major bout of accommodative monetary policy, and it seems quite clear that's going to continue for quite a while because even though the economy has come back, unemployment has come down, 
the feeling of, of part of the Federal Reserve is there's still a lot of unemployment out there, and uh, they have to continue a very accommodative monetary policy for a long, long period of time. Another concept that's getting very popular these days is accounts receivable financing. Now, this is short-term financing where accounts receivables serve as a collateral for working capital advances. And there's a whole field out there today of companies that are doing so-called merchant capital advances. Uh, Say it's a restaurant and they're having trouble financing their operations, but they've got regular customers uh, having meals at that restaurant and having credit card charges. So what will happen is a merchant cash advance company will actually loan the money um, secured by those cash advances, but by those receivables, and then as the receivables come in, as the customers have their meals, uh, they take a little piece back, get repaid. A lot of ba- uh, banks that used to do this aren't doing it anymore, uh, so there's a whole bunch of companies that have sprung up in this area of doing accounts receivable financing, um, and in many cases, merchants are not able to get these kind of accounts receivable financing deals from banks, so they're going to these new firms as well. So it's a growing area with a lot of small businesses that are not really able to finance things on their own. Another new concept, and again, I'm speaking about uh, terms in the Dictionary of Finance and Investment Terms. Uh, the, uh, a, no, a, new, a relatively new concept is accredited investor. Now, this is an investor um, that is exempt from uh, registration requirements, uh, the company that is selling to accredited investors is exempt from regular registration requirements because accredited investors are considered very sophisticated and therefore able to kind of watch out for themselves. Now, for an individual, you are accredited uh, if your net worth is at least $1 million at the time of purchase or your income is $200,000 a year for an individual or $300,000 a year for a married couple. Um, for an institution like a bank or a partnership or a corporation, they have to have assets exceeding $5 million. Um, so uh, for a lot of people, they, they have access, for example, to hedge funds and private partnerships and uh, all kinds of deals that would not be available to the average investor because the idea is an accredited investor is more sophisticated and therefore can watch out for himself more. Those, rule, those limits I mentioned were raised. They had been lower in the past. But now they're up to the $1 million net worth and 200000 for individuals, 300000 uh, for uh, couples. Uh, another uh, concept is across the board. Uh, now, what that means is something's happening across a very wide, uh, affecting an awful lot of different places. So recently, um, the so-called sequestration cuts that took into, uh, went into effect in 2013 were across the board. That means all departments of government were hit the same amount, it's about a 10% uh, cut for them. And so uh, this had never been done in the past, but across the board cuts, and that was, was uh, one of the ways this term is being used. Uh, also, when a stock market goes up across the board, means pretty much all stocks are moving up as well. So across the board is a, a concept people are using a lot uh, these days. Another concept is, is active management. Um, actually, activist investor I want to talk about, which is an individual or group such as a hedge fund that takes a very significant position in a company's stock with the intention of making major changes in the company's strategy to boost the share price. Uh, target companies typically are not very well managed, may have bloated costs, can be broken up or taken private to realize their undervalue, 
their underlying value in a way that existing management is not willing to undertake. Uh, activist investors may pursue many strategies to gain board seats, such as a proxy fight. So there's been a lot of very interesting situations recently with activist investors getting involved in stocks they think are dramatically undervalued, in fact, moving the stock price up quite dramatically. Even the talk of an activist investor getting into a stock makes the stock go up in many cases quite dramatically. So uh, there's been a lot of money going into the activist funds because they tend to have a very positive effect on the stock price, although it shakes up the company and the management pretty uh, dramatically. Uh, another interesting concept is what's called uh, the uh, Act of God, uh, which, which is saying in a contract, if there's some kind of unavoidable destructive event caused by natural forces that can excuse the parties into a contract from responsibility. So if there's a tsunami or a flood or a tornado or a hurricane or some major would be called an act of God, uh, that's something that really is not in the control of the parties and can let them off off the hook. Uh, that would have happened, for example, with Hurricane Katrina when that came in. And there was all kinds of flooding. Uh, it kind of lets people out of contracts in a way that wouldn't be uh, possible typically. Uh, I'm going to continue with more. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman, uh, the host of The Money Answer Show. And today I'm speaking about the new terms uh, in the uh, book I did called The Dictionary of Finance and Investment Terms, along with my co-author, John Downs. Um, and we'll, we'll have many more terms after this. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. If you want to know about investing in emerging and frontier markets, or if you have experience in this field but still need to know more, tune in to Emerging and Frontier Markets Investing with Gavin Graham. Gavin explores news, current trends, and insights about both categories of investing. His guest experts, along with his own knowledge, will help you stay above the line when it comes to growth potential, whether in funds or equities. He will look at what to invest in and avoid. Tune in to Emerging and Frontier Markets Investing with Gavin Graham every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Listen for exclusive clips from Oprah's upcoming Super Soul Sunday series on Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America 7th Wave channel. Then be sure to watch Oprah's Super Soul Sunday on OWN Network TV at 11 a.m., 10 Central, every Sunday. Hi, I'm Joe Swedish, CEO of WellPoint. We proudly support the March of Dimes and all they do to reduce the rate of premature birth in the United States. Though premature births have recently declined, Still, half a million babies are born too soon each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs that help moms and their babies live healthier lives. Please visit MarchofDimes.com and join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. 
You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. And today I'm speaking about the new book I've come out recently along with my co-author John Downs called The Dictionary of Finance and Investment Terms, where we define over 5,000 terms in the whole field of finance and investing. And this is the ninth edition that just came out, available at my website at moneyanswers.com. And I'm going to go through a whole bunch of different terms just to give you a sense of some of the, the terms you should really be familiar with out there. Another one is the Adjustable Rate Mortgage, or ARM Mortgage, where uh, the interest rate goes up or down based on what just general interest rates are doing. That got a lot of people into trouble when they got into adjust rate mortgages at low rates, and then rates rose and they couldn't afford it, which caused a huge amount of foreclosures and trouble in the uh, housing market. Uh, another uh, concept is what's called adverse selection, and what this is is uh, in the insurance field where people who have significant potential to file claims buy insurance coverage, and those who don't have potentially a lot of chance of filing claims don't get insurance coverage. So the insurance companies tend to get a lot of people who are going to have claims. Now, this has been particularly relevant recently with uh, the uh, introduction of Obamacare, where a lot of people who in the past could not get health insurance coverage uh, because they were excluded because of pre-existing conditions now are able to do so. And therefore, a lot of the people who've been signing up for health care coverage have health conditions and are going to have a lot of bills. And therefore, the costs the insurance companies are going to be much higher. So this is the whole concept of adverse selection, which insurance companies normally have to kind of figure out what to do about in advance. Uh, another concept we talk about in the book is the affordability index. Uh, this is the sta- standard established by the National Association of Realtors to gauge the financial ability of consumers to buy a home. A reading of 100 means a family earning the national median family income can qualify for a mortgage on a typical median-priced existing family home. Anything over 100 means that they, uh, they, they that a family earning the median income more than qualifies for a home loan, uh, assuming a 20% down payment. So when the affordability index goes up, it means that people are more able to afford homes. So in the last few years, the affordability index went up dramatically because the house price of homes came down and mortgage rates also came down as well. So we had affordability levels at the highest level ever. Now, in the last year or two, interest rates have risen a little bit, and home prices have certainly come back up a lot. So the affordability index has actually gone down a bit. But it's a key concept in seeing the state of the housing market is how affordable homes are uh, to be uh, bought. Um, another uh, concept is certainly the Affordable Care Act, and everything having to do with Obamacare and the, it's typically called uh, the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act, as its formal name, has had a major impact in society in, in all kinds of different ways. Now, one of the biggest um, uh, legislations of the past few years was uh, the uh, so-called American Recovery and Reinvestment Act of 2009. This was the stimulus bill, uh, which did stimulate the economy, it spent about $790 billion on infrastructure providing new tax incentives, giving money to states and localities. So there are basically three parts of the stimulus bill. Spending billions of dollars for projects such as uh, the electrical grid, computerizing medical records, making uh, more energy efficient upgrades to facilities, bridge and road construction, 
public transit, those kind of things. Then there was a huge amount of aid to state and localities uh, because they had, their budgets had been hurt very badly when the economy turned down. So that kind of helped them pay for uh, all kinds of uh, workers' uh, salaries. And then a whole bunch of tax cuts uh, were part of that bill as well, extending the alternative minimum relief, minimum tax, uh, sales and excise tax deductions for uh, buying new cars, um, computers were now made um, a qualifying expense. The so-called American Opportunity Education tax credit came in. There was a first-time home buyer tax credit, which stimulated the economy in buying homes for quite a while. Um, so there's a whole bunch of different uh, tax incentives. So that was a major new piece of legislation, which had all kinds of wide implications uh, for uh, the markets. So uh, some other uh, topics uh, that uh, might be of interest to you would be uh, the whole concept of annuities. Uh, there, an annuity is something uh, sold by a life insurance company to guarantee a fixed payment for a particular period of time. Uh, they come in different varieties. An annuity certain is one that pays a certain amount for a predetermined time period, like 10 years. Uh, then there are some that uh, do a life annuity that lasts for the rest of your life. There are joint and survivor annuities uh, that work for both uh, the life of your yourself and your spouse. So annuities have become uh, quite popular in, in uh, many ways because they give a regular source of income that you would not or normally uh, be able to get. Um, so those are some of the concepts there. Uh, some other uh, concepts, there's something called um, auction rate securities. Uh, these are highly rated long-term debts of municipalities and public authorities uh, that go up and down uh, in yield, and therefore they're a little bit safer. Uh, but there were some real problems in those uh, back in the financial crisis back in 2008, uh, where close to 90% of these auctions failed and the, the uh, auction rate security market collapsed completely, leaving investors with illiquid long-term investments. There were a lot of lawsuits about that. A lot of people were not very happy with what happened with the auction rate security uh, market. Um, some other areas uh, that have changed dramatically in the last few years, what used to be called the baby bells, uh, after AT&T was broken up back in 1984, were broken up into seven baby bells. Those have now been reconsolidated uh, back into AT&T um, and uh, Verizon, basically, that's what it comes down to, after having gone through many, many metamorphoses. So the baby bells is kind of a historic uh, idea, which isn't around as much as it used to be in the past. Um, uh, bankruptcy has certainly changed. There's a whole series we have on bankruptcy where the bankruptcy law that was changed in 2005 made it much harder for people to declare bankruptcy in various ways. Um, you have to have uh, your median, in, your income has to be below the state median in your estate. Uh, chapter 7, which is a liquidation of your debts, is much harder for people to get. Chapter 13, rescheduling your debts um, is certainly possible, but the whole process was made more difficult for people to go bankrupt as of that law, which happened in uh, 2005. The, the law, name of the law actually is the Bankruptcy Abuse Prevention and Consumer Protection Act of 2005. One of the other things a lot of people don't realize is it, means, it meant that student loans were no longer dischargeable in bankruptcy. So the two debts you cannot get rid of in the bankruptcy are um, student loans and IRS debt. So a lot of people are surprised by that. They think they can just not pay on their student loans and somehow they'll go away. Uh, that doesn't work out uh, too well in many cases. Um, another uh, concept is um, best efforts. This is where investment bankers agree to do their best to sell an issue to the public. 
uh, and that's happened recently, but sometimes it doesn't work out well, and that was a big case of that was when Facebook's uh, company uh, initial public offering came public, and it was not handled well at all. The stock dropped sharply. There were all kinds of lawsuits. Um, the investment bankers said they made best efforts, but it wasn't enough for a lot of investors who lost money on the Facebook uh, operation. Um, another uh, concept is uh, the Big Bang. Uh, that was the deregulation of all the London securities markets uh, back in 1986, uh, where they had major deregulation. The United States had done that earlier in 1975 uh, with what's called May Day, and that has led to an enormous proliferation of uh, options and uh, commission uh, have dropped dramatically since those days. Um, so uh, the Big Bang has really opened up the financial markets in a major, major way. Uh, another term you may hear about occasionally is what's called the Big Four, uh, which are the largest U.S. accounting firms uh, measured by revenue. Uh, those four today uh, are uh, Deloitte and Touche, Ernst and Young, KPMG International, and Price Waterhouse Cooper. Um, they used to be the Big Eight, and then it became the Big Five. And then Arthur Anderson had been part of that folded uh, with its involvement in the Enron scandal. So it's changed over time. But basically, we're down to big, four big, big accounting firms that do all of the accounting for all the big um, uh, major uh, international uh, corporations. Uh, now, here's a term that's certainly been very popular and interesting lately, which is Bitcoin. Uh, this is what's called a cryptocurrency, which is an alternative digital currency uh, that's used to transfer uh, value from one uh, place to another. Uh, now, there's a lot of people who uh, kind of um, speculate on the value of bitcoins. In the last year, bitcoins went from about twenty dollars per, per bitcoin to over a thousand dollars per bitcoin, and then it dropped back. One of the big holders or exchanges of bitcoin. Uh, called Mt. Gox, actually went bankrupt. So there's been a lot of controversy about Bitcoin, um, but uh, it's certainly a, a concept. It's not going to go away. There's a lot of dissatisfaction with uh, the existing currency because we've been printing so many dollars, and people are now looking at Bitcoin as a, some kind of an alternative uh, to that. Uh, there are various uh, famous uh, times in history, typically called Black Days, though Black Friday uh was a very sharp drop in the markets. The original one was back in 1869. Then there was another one in 1873. Um, there was also Black Monday, which was the famous crash of 1987, where the Dow Jones Industrials dropped over 500 points. Um, so there, and then there was Black Tuesday, which is uh, 1929, when the Great Crash uh, happened uh, then as well. So there's been a lot of black days in the stock market's history. Another concept is what's called the black swan. Uh, this is an unexpected and unlikely event uh, that has major consequences on the economy and financial markets. There was a, a professor named uh, Talib um, who uh, came out with a book called The Black Swan, The Impact of Highly Improbable Events. And one of the most famous black swan events is the fall of long-term capital management uh, hedge fund that suffered major losses and needed to be rescued back in 1998 uh, when Russia defaulted on its sovereign debt, and it almost brought the entire financial system down with it. So people today are always wondering, what's the next black swan event? People talk today about uh, Russia invading Crimea and Ukraine kind of came out of the blue. So they're always wondering what the next black swan event is going to be. Um, another uh, 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 
talk well is board of directors is certainly an important concept of all the different uh, the board is supposed to be representing shareholders in a corporation and empowered to basically uh, oversee the management. Uh, rarely do they uh, throw out a CEO. That happened recently with the CEO of Target, for example. So staying on top of what the board of directors is doing is an important part of being a shareholder. I'm going to come back after this with some more terms we have. Uh, the book I'm calling it, talking about is called The Dictionary of Finance and Investment Terms, More Than 5,000 Terms Defined and Explained. You can find out more about this at my website, which is moneyanswers.com, and take a look in the bookstore there. We'll be back after this. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. In sales, are you a lion or a vulture? Lions don't wait. They just go for it. Vultures hang around until the lions are finished and just pick up the scraps. How can you set yourself apart as a lion? Join the other aspiring sales lions and listen to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something with host Ty Maynard. You'll learn the tips and strategies of top sales professionals. You'll gain more clients at a faster rate and at higher margins. If you're a sales professional, business owner, or executive, listen in every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Is your business model robust enough? In today's ever-changing business environment, people are working to transform themselves, their futures, and their business. Tune in to Business Reinvention with your host, Nancy Lynn. To stay ahead of the game in business, you have to constantly reinvent yourself and your organization. With Nancy's experience and that of her guest experts, you'll learn from stories of inspiration, innovation, and forward thinking. Listen for Business Reinvention, live every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman. Uh, I'm speaking today about the new book I've just come out with, uh, with my co-author, John Downs. Uh, It's called The Dictionary of Finance and Investment Terms. We came out with the first edition of this in 1984, and now this is the ninth edition of this book, which covers all aspects of the language of personal finance. I'm giving you some samples of some of the the terms we define here, a total of about 5,000 terms. You can find out more about it at my website at moneyanswers.com. Okay, so there was the Budget Control Act of 2011, which was the major bill which prevented the uh, government from defaulting on its debt. It signed into law by President Obama in uh, 2011. It lifted the debt ceiling, avoiding default on national debt. It set up uh, ways to uh, control government spending, the so-called sequestration. It set up a super committee 
It was supposed to come up with plans to cut long-term expenditures, but if that committee did not come to a, an agreement, which it ends up not doing, then the sequestration would go into effect, which in fact is what happened in January 2013. So a major piece of legislation uh, there. Uh, another concept is the so-called um, Business Development Company, or BDC. These are companies that help small and medium-sized companies grow by offering debt and equity financings. They're traded like any other stock on the New York or, or Stock Exchange or NASDAQ. And often they have very attractive dividend yields because they earn high interest rates on the loans they're providing to small companies. Um, and then they have uh, equity stakes as well. So there's a lot of uh, BDCs. Very attractive these days because they have high yields and some pretty good growth potential as well. There's something called the buy and write strategy, which is an option strategy that you buy stocks and then write covered calls on those stocks. Uh, so you both receive the dividend from the stock and the premium income from selling uh, the call options. Um, so it's a way of increasing your income dramatically from a very conservative stock. That's the so-called buy and write uh, strategy. Um, so some other concepts uh, that might be interesting to you, the so-called capacity utilization rate. Now, this is uh, something you'll see released every uh, month uh, showing how much of factories um, are being used today. The maximum, in theory, would be 100% of productive capacity that could be used, but it's never the full amount because factories need to be repaired and employees take vacations and so on. Typically, the most... Uh, any company is, is going to be producing is at about 85% operating rate. Now, lately, the level's been below that, but getting a sense of the capacity utilization rate shows you if the economy is gaining or losing steam. Lately, it's been gaining steam as the capacity utilization rate uh, has gone up. Um, another uh, term that you might run into quite a bit is the Case-Shiller Index. Uh, this is also released on a monthly basis, and it's an indication of um, single-family home prices across the country. There's an overall Case-Shiller Index in the entire country, and then there are uh, indexes in the 20 major metropolitan areas. So it gives you a very good sense of whether home prices are going up or down. Lately, they've been going up for the most part. Uh, this is uh, done with uh, Professor Carl Case of Wellesley College and Robert Schiller, who's a professor at Yale. Um, so it's administered by the Standard Poor's, but... Everybody calls it the Case-Shiller Index, so it's a very important uh, indicator of uh, housing prices uh, going up or down. Uh, there's a concept called the catch-up contribution. Um, so this was put in somewhat recently, where if you're over age 50, uh, Congress said you can add additional amounts of money to your IRAs um, or 401ks or 403bs, um, typically $1,000 a year additional. So, for example, for an IRA... You can traditionally put in $5,500 a year. The catch-up contribution is another 1000 so you could put in 6500 a year. The idea is for people who haven't saved enough, they may be earning more in their 50s, and this gives them a chance to kind of catch up with what they should have been saving uh, all the way uh, along. Um, so you can see how these concepts are quite uh, important. Uh, another concept uh, is the so-called charitable remainder trust. This is a trust that pays income to an individual until the person giving the money dies, at which time the balance passes to a charity. So it's a way of giving a contribution to a charity, getting income for life, and it's a very popular way of giving money to charities. So if you were thinking of giving to a school or a museum or something like that, 
you might take a look at a, a charitable a remainder trust. Um, so these are you know, very good concepts out there. Here's a fun one. There's uh, one called the cockroach theory. And that is the concept that when a company reveals unexpectedly negative news about its earnings or operations, investors should expect more bad news in the future uh, because it, the same idea is when you see one cockroach, there are typically more nearby that are hidden and eventually will emerge. So if a company that's been doing well all of a sudden has some bad news, they say, oh boy, the cockroach theory, that's, it's not going to be the last bad thing we're going to hear. There's going to be other news coming out uh, along the way. Uh, one of the defining errors of the whole financial era has been takeovers. And there's been a lot of different uh, language related to the whole uh, takeover um, uh, world. Um, so I just want to briefly tell you all the different uh, takeover-related terms uh, that are in this dictionary. I'm not going to have time to get into all of them, but just they're kind of fun uh, terms uh, related to takeovers. So uh, they are uh, arbitrageur, which is a person who's uh, kind of buying, hoping the thing will get taken over, an asset stripper. Uh, a bear hug is where uh, you uh, try to take over a company and they can't escape your clutches. Uh, a blitzkrieg tender offer. Uh, a bust-up takeover. You're busting up a deal that had already been going ahead. A uh, cram-down deal. Uh, the crown jewels, which is where you have the, the key part of a company uh, is what people are going for. A dawn raid, which is when it happens very quickly overnight. Um a gap opening where the stock opens sharply higher after a, a deal has been announced. Uh, garbitrage, which is where a stock will go up and has no particular reason to go up except it's in the same industry as some other company that just got taken over. Uh, the godfather offer, which is an offer you can't afford to refuse. Uh, a golden parachute, which is where executives get a nice uh, severance package on their way out from a, having done a, a takeover. Uh, green mail, which is where uh, somebody who's a raider gets paid off for going away and he gets money that the rest of the shareholders don't get. Um, a highly confident letter, which is a letter uh, saying that the acquirer is very uh, highly confident of getting financing to do that uh, deal. Um, killer bees, uh, which are uh, raiders trying to make sure that this deal <laughs> goes through. Uh, leverage buyout, where a company lever uh, borrows a lot of money uh, to complete a, a takeover. Um, I'll just give you some of the other ones that are kind of fun here. The lockup options, macaroni defense, poison put, uh, reverse leverage buyout, uh, safe harbor, Saturday night special, which kind of happens uh, very quickly. People don't expect it. A scorched earth policy, uh, shark watcher, sleeping beauty, um, strategic buyout, suicide pill, which is when a company... Uh, put something in that makes it, if you get taken over, the suicide pill kind of destroys the whole company and, and the reason for taking over in the first place. Um, Two-tier bid, war chest, white knight, uh, white squire. So there's a whole bunch of different uh, uh, terms related to takeovers that can be kind of uh, fun uh, out there. Uh, so just to give you a few other uh, terms that I, I talk about in the dictionary, uh, long-term care insurance is insurance that pays... Um, some are all the costs of nursing home care or other home health care for people who have the insurance. Our premiums are based on the age of the applicant and are supposed to be stable for the life of the policy. A lot of people today are getting long-term care insurance because 
this is typically not covered by Medicare, traditional health insurance, Medicaid only if you qualify for it through a whole series of kind of planned imp- impoverishment moves. So a lot of people are going to need long-term care insurance to take care of them in their older years. In general, the younger you can get that, uh, the better it, it uh, may be. Uh, another concept is what's called indication of interest. This is where uh, a, a public offering is going to be coming of a particular stock or bond, and the underwriting team uh, canvasses investors to see are they interested in potentially buying that stock. So they'll get a sense of the indications of interest, and then they'll price the stock or bond accordingly based on how much interest uh, is out there. The whole concept of indexing uh, is very popular today. This is where uh, you buy a portfolio based on a broad-based index, such as the Standard Poor's 500. In many cases, the Standard Poor's 500 outperforms uh, an actively managed fund just because you have those 500 stocks on there that are being reweighted all the time. It's very low cost, and lots of people are indexing their portfolio. You might have an index in your 401k or your IRA or an index fund of some kind. Uh, so that's a very important concept in uh, mutual funds. And then indexing is related to labor would be tying wages or other um, rates to some kind of an index. Uh, for example, labor contract may call for indexing wages to the consumer price index to protect against loss of purchasing power if inflation goes off. So the workers would automatically get what's called a COLA, cost of living increase, uh, to kind of compensate them for the declining um, value of their money if, if there's a lot of inflation. Uh, that would be kind of a, a concept behind that. Um, so another fun kind of concept is the, the hemline theory. Uh, this is the idea that stock prices uh, move in the same general direction as the hemlines of women's dresses. So, for example, in the 1920s, uh, the, uh, we had the uh, short, very short dresses and hemlines went up a lot. Um, and the same thing happened in the 1960s when you had the mini skirts and all that. So that was considered a very bullish sign. And then when dresses went much longer, like in the 1930s and 40s, that was considered a bearish indicator. Um, so it's, it's kind of more of a whimsical kind of a way of looking at things, but um, it, it certainly has been seen in the long term. When hemlines rise, that in general has been pretty good for the stock market. So that's the, uh, the hemline theory. Um, there's something called the Dow theory, uh, which is uh, the theory that a major trend in the stock market must be confirmed by a similar movement in the uh, Dow Jones transportation. So if the Dow Jones industrials moves up sharply, but the Dow Jones transportations do not, it is not confirmed. According to the Dow theory, when the uh, both of them go up, the d- transportations and the uh, industrials at the same time, then it's got a lot of momentum and can probably go much higher. Um, so uh, Dow theory is, is why to look. So you'll say, oh, the stock market went up a lot today, but the transports aren't doing very, very well. So Dow theorists don't think this market's going to go up much higher from here. That's what you hear about Dow theory. I'm going to take a break now. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. Uh, I'm speaking about my new book, which I've done uh, jointly with John Downs, called The Dictionary of Finance and Investment Terms. More than 5,000 terms defined, just giving you a small sample of what's in here. Uh, the ninth edition just came out recently. You can find out more about it at my website at moneyanswers.com and look in the bookstore there. We'll be back after this. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. 
Are you looking for innovative ideas on how to achieve your financial dreams? Tune in to Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday afternoon at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Join certified financial planners Ken Smith and Ethan Broga to learn how you can obtain financial success. You'll be entertained while you discover techniques to alleviate your financial concerns. Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Hi, I'm Joe Swedish, CEO of WellPoint. We proudly support the March of Dimes and all they do to reduce the rate of premature birth in the United States. Though premature births have recently declined, Still, half a million babies are born too soon each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs that help moms and their babies live healthier lives. Please visit MarchofDimes.com and join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. I'm speaking today about the new book I've come out uh, with uh, my co-author, John Downs, a book called The Dictionary of Finance and Investment Terms. We first came out with this in 1984. Now we've come out with a ninth edition of it, added all kinds of new terms that have come along in the last few years, total of about 5,000 terms defined and explained throughout the ninth edition of the Dictionary of Finance and Investment Terms, and you can find out more about it at my website, moneyanswers.com, look in the bookstore, and you'll see a lot about the dictionary. So here are some other terms you might or might not be familiar with. There's something called the Jonestown Defense, which is a tactic taken by management to ward off a hostile takeover that is so extreme that it appears suicidal for the company. Uh, For example, they may try to sell their crown jewels or take on a huge amount of debt to make the company undesirable to an acquirer. This was based on the mass suicide led by Jim Jones uh, in Jonestown, Guyana in the early 1980s, uh, also called the scorched earth policy. Don't see that too often, but when a company really does not want to be taken over, they can do the so-called Jonestown defense. Uh, another uh, interesting concept is what's called the Purchasing Managers Index, or the PMI. Uh, this is a very widely followed uh, indicator that kind of shows where the, the companies that are purchasing uh, products, are they becoming more or less uh, bullish about things? Um, so the Purchasing Managers Index is uh, published by Institute for Supply Management, the ISM, that indicates strength or weakness of private manufacturing, construction, and service sectors of the economy. So it's based on how things are going with new orders, with inventories, production, supplier delivery speed, and employment levels. Uh, Reading anything over 50 means the economy is expanding. Anything below 50 means the economy is contracting in that area. Very carefully watched by a lot of economists 
uh, because it's very current and it kind of gives you a good sense of is the economy getting stronger uh, or weaker. That's the so-called PMI or Purchasing Managers uh, Index. Another concept that's uh, quite popular these days is what's called supply-side economics. Uh, This first came along in the 80s under President Reagan at that time. Uh, The theory is uh, that by drastically reducing tax rates, it's going to stimulate productive investment by companies and individuals that's going to increase economic growth and benefit society. Um, The late 70s, really, it started with Professor Arthur Laffer um, and basically was saying they want to cut marginal tax rates uh, to incentivize people to invest and make the economy grow. Um, This is exactly what President Reagan did back in the 80s. He cut marginal tax rates. and In fact, the economy did grow, although the deficit went up as well. Uh, The other side of supply-side economics is uh, Keynesian economics, which is more demand-side oriented, saying you want to stimulate growth um, and, and by increasing demand for goods and services. So these are the two sides of the economic debate. But understanding supply-side economics is very, very uh, important. Another concept which came along in the last few years is too big to fail. Um, now, the idea of that is an organization whose failure is so um, would pose such a systemic risk uh, that you just can't let it fail. Um, so back in the financial crisis of 2008, 2009, um, the major auto companies, General Motors and Chrysler, uh, were, uh, they went into bankruptcy, but they were ultimately kind of bailed out. Uh, other major financial companies like Bear Stearns, uh, Merrill Lynch, um, and uh, uh, American International Group uh, were, were bailed out uh, because the feeling was if they went down, it would bring the entire economy down with it. So they're too big to fail. This was partially addressed uh, with the uh, Dodd-Frank financial regulation, but I think it still exists that too big to fail is out there, and a lot of people may object to that. They think it's better to have these companies fail, but if you don't want to bring the entire financial system down uh, with you, that's what that whole concept is about. Uh, Another concept uh, that is quite uh, popular these days is the so-called VIX uh, index. Now, this is kind of a a, a measure of volatility, um, these are traded on the Chicago's board options exchange, the so-called volatility index. It measures expectations of volatility in the stock market by tracking the S&P 500. Um, so in general, when the VIX goes up, it means people expect more volatility. When the VIX goes down, it means they expect less volatility. So it's a very sensitive indicator of whether people expect more or less volatility and in general, when the stock market's going up, the VIX goes down. When the stock market's going down, the VIX goes up. And you can play this directly. There are options trade on the VIX. It's become a very important uh, kind of industry out there. Uh, another concept is what's called viatical settlements. Uh, this is where an investor buys a life insurance policy from a policyholder who has a terminal disease or some kind of chronically ill person who has a life expectancy of less than two years. These are what are also called life settlements. Uh, the idea was that the person who is dying gets to use the money right now in their final years of life. Uh, the person who's buying the life insurance policy gets to collect the death benefit when the person dies. Um, so uh, they might buy a policy worth 500000 for 200000 The person who's dying gets 200000 to spend now. The person who buys the policy gets 500000 when the person dies. These became very big 
in the 1980s when AIDS became very popular, or well, it wasn't popular, it was very widespread, and it was a way of getting money to people who had AIDS, and when they died, uh, a lot of people collected on these payments. So this is part of the life settlements business, what are called viatical uh, settlements. Um, so another concept out there, which is the so-called stable value fund, uh, these you may see in your 401k or 403b plan, uh, where it's pretty much like a CD, uh, they're also known as Guaranteed Investment Contracts, or GICs. Uh, basically, they pay a flat rate of interest. It might be like 3 or 4%. And um, if the stock market goes down, they will not be negatively affected. So a lot of people have money in these stable value funds as a way of protecting themselves against uh, volatility in the stock market, which they don't psychologically are able to handle. Uh, another index which is kind of fun is the Starbucks Index. Uh, this is a way of measuring, measuring purchasing power amongst uh, different in different countries. Um, it there was also a version of it called the Big Mac Index. How much you can uh, you pay for a Big Mac around the world, or how much you pay for for Starbucks. So um, the Starbucks Index uh, is how much the cost of a Starbucks tall latte in 16 countries is in U.S. dollars. So it's a way of kind of seeing. Uh, what economy is going up, what economy is going down, and gives you a very kind of real-time sense of whether inflation is happening more or less in uh, different uh, securities. Um, so you're getting a sense of all the different ways you can look at the um, uh, economy out there, and there's lots of different uh, fun kind of terms out there. I'll just give you a few more. Uh, the Halloween strategy is the strategy saying that most capital gains occur between October 1st and May 1st. So if you use the Halloween indicator, you uh, buy at Halloween, uh, and then you sell at May. This is where they say buy in the ha Halloween and go away in May, uh, because typically that's where you get most of the gains in the market. Not everybody agrees with it, but that's what the Halloween strategy uh, might be. Uh, a gunslinger is an aggressive portfolio manager who buys speculative stocks, often on margin, and makes a lot of money, but can lose a lot of money as well. Uh, so that's another kind of aggressive uh, option uh, out there as well. Um, emancipation is the freedom to assume certain legal liabilities associated only with adults. Um, so when a minor, somebody who's below the age of 18, uh, is granted freedom by the court, um, that's considered emancipation. For example, if both parents die in an accident and a 16-year-old um, is emancipated by the judge to act as a guardian for younger brothers and sisters. That's the whole concept of uh, emancipation. Um, the profit-sharing plan is something where a corporation and its employees allow employees to share in the company profits um, and over time have an incentive to do well with the company because they're sharing in the profits of it. So that kind of gave you a small uh, sample of the kind of terms in the Dictionary of Finance and Investment Terms. Again, it first came out in 1984. Now the ninth edition is out uh, that I did along with my co-author, John Downs. Total of about 5,000 terms that uh, really would be good for you to learn. Um, many of these things are not taught in schools, and I've just given you a small sample of some of the terms within the Dictionary of Finance and Investment Terms. Again, you can go to my website, moneyanswers.com. Look in the bookstore, and you'll see some more about it there. You can get a copy of it. And hopefully that can help you understand all the language of financial investment, which can be kind of confusing, but you can see it can be kind of fun at the same time. So thanks for listening. We'll be back with another edition of the Money Answer Show next week. Goodbye for now. 
Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 